0: So let's game this out a bit, Team Health Tech. Let's flash forward, say, five years from now. And when it comes to a healthcare system, one would hope that we're in a better position in five years' time than we are now, at the very least, or at least we should be trying to do that. But when you look at the numbers, it doesn't look that great. We're going to be short heaps of nurses. There's going to be way more older people. There's going to be lots more chronic disease, so diabetes and asthma and cancer and everything. And let's not get started about mental health and the implications that's going to have on the healthcare system. And as well, we won't have enough hospital beds to treat everyone, and we can't really just keep building more hospitals. And this is just five years away. So what are we going to do about it? And when are we going to do something about it? Well, my guest today is on a mission to do something about it now. I'm talking to Ben McGee from Virtual Care. And in this episode, we'll be exploring why this is a problem to deal with now, Australia's response to the situation and what needs to change, and heaps more. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen.
1: Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Burge, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology.
0: With me today is Ben McGidd from Virtual Care, focused on creating technology to enable patient centric care where it's most convenient, either in the home or community, but not in the hospital. Ben's the CEO of Virtual Care and has expertise across all aspects of digital health. He's passionate about the power of emerging digital technologies to facilitate a change in healthcare away from the traditional hospital setting to ensure the sustainability of a thriving healthcare system into the future. Hey Ben, how are you going? Good, thanks Pete. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time. It's going to be fun to explore virtual care, virtual hospitals and, and delivering healthcare in innovative ways to solve some real problems. So looking forward to it. Look, set the scene for us firstly. Tell us about you, yourself, your background, your context.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> my background is in biomedical engineering. I actually studied a biomedical engineering and international business and degree and then I never actually went and applied those skills, uh, so I don't have any actual practical experiences as an engineer in in Australia. It can be hard to come by. And when I went through, at least there was really only a handful of major companies doing the you know the real engineering work in Australia. Uh, so you know I uh, I went to a company called Medtronic, and essentially it's a sales and marketing organisation in Australia. Uh, you know the business of design engineering it doesn't happen here. And so that was a really interesting six years. I did a little bit of everything. I kept putting my hand up for, for different projects, you name it, and, and I probably did it. I, I did some really exciting projects with the, the director of patient care around their infection prevention and control business. And I also worked quite closely with the director of the health informatics and monitoring business. That was awesome. You know, we did a, a strat plan for you know introducing a new digital health offering into the Australian market and looked at how it was different from what, what was happening currently in the US and elsewhere. But as a part of that project, I I actually sort of co-founded and co-chaired the inaugural Medtronic Digital Health Council, which was a pretty cool initiative to try and bring all of the different digital pieces from such a large organization together to see if there was a unified digital offering that we could provide to customers. It, it was somewhat challenging when you've got So many different siloed business units to try and bring all these moving pieces together. But it was fun. Uh, So in 2017, uh, I was approached by Peter Mackey and he'd seen me present at uh, one of the big Medtronic events and said, you know, I want you to come and join my team. I want to transform healthcare. I said, well, that sounds pretty exciting. You know, let's do it. And it didn't take too much thinking, really, because, uh, you know, he, he had this incredible vision around the way that healthcare was going and, you know, the commoditization of the devices industry and the need for value and the need to, to present more value-based healthcare offerings utilizing new and emerging technologies. And so I worked with Peter and the team there um, at a company called Wearable Health Tech until the end of last year. And that was very device focused, you know, sensors, patches, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. And the technologies that we identified and brought into the Australian market were you know really quite innovative. And actually device technologies has now picked those up and are running with them in the local market. So I'm quite excited to to see them see them soar. I think that there, there is a good potential there and it's our our, our refined vision which has led us to virtual care to where we are today.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. And I, I like that kind of progression from you know, the hardware, the tools that, that are enabling the service to almost essentially the core of it all. So, so tell us a bit more about virtual care, exactly what that is and the problem it solves and why it exists. And-
1: yeah, absolutely. So virtual care is a digital health tech company and our, our mission, our goal is to enable the Australian public healthcare system to survive and thrive. And in order to do that, you need to have enough beds, and you need to be able to provide care where it's convenient to the patient. So a big part of what we do is to provide people with the autonomy and a sense of self-agency, which is not available to them by any current model of care. We talk a lot about patient centricity, and yet we don't really enact it. And our vision is to revolutionize the way that we do that. So you know, throughout the journey, of, of the last business. We kept hearing from the field, you know, that's great that you have a sensor or a patch that can help provide some piece of information, but that's not enough. You know, really that that is not a solution. You know, we need an end-to-end virtual care solution, not just a piece of that solution. And so after hearing that a number of times, we decided, okay, well, let's look around the world. Let's see who's doing virtual care at scale. And that's critical. The scale piece is really important because if you're not doing it at scale, if you're doing 100 or 200 patients, you're not gonna be able to overcome the challenges that we're facing. And so we looked at heaps of different companies. We talked to you know Validic, we talked to a whole bunch of companies to sort of say, well, who should we partner with to to bring in game-changing technology to the virtual care space in Australia. And we landed on a, a company out of Israel called Datos Health. Now, Datos, uh, they were founded in 2015, and they are in every government hospital in in Israel. So there's 26 hospitals there, they're across Israel. And I'm sure you know, you know, Israel is probably the most digitally advanced healthcare system in the world. They've been fully digital since the early two thousands. And one of the flagship customers in, in Israel is a hospital called Sheba, the Sheba Medical Group. And Sheba, everyone in this space seems to know of Sheba they've visited Sheba. But for the numbers, you know, Sheba have 2,000 hospital beds. They're the largest hospital in all of Israel and, in fact, all the Middle East. They've got 3,000 researchers doing 25% of all medical research in the country. And they're consistently ranked in the top 10 hospitals globally on the Newsweek, the Newsweek survey. So, you know, 2,000 hospitals are applying to get in that top 10 list. It's a very prestigious survey and the last three years running she was in there so they are an incredible institution and DATOS provide the entire technical core for all virtual care programs that they do and in Israel they don't suffer from pilotitis so they're not doing these virtual care programs with 10 or 50 or 100 patients they're doing them with tens of thousands of patients and they're driving real change at scale.
0: It's really interesting to hear about the volume that's moving the needle and then demonstrating the the, the value of this. I want, to get that, I want to get into that in a bit more detail. But back to Australia for a second, set the context for us. You know, in terms of the numbers, you know, we talk about a lot generally that we're probably getting older and sicker and there'll be less hospitals and everything, but, I mean, what do the numbers say these days?
1: So it's a really good question to look at. I think we need to look at, at the numbers to really understand the scope and the scale of this problem. And I think a really good way to do that is by looking at some recent modelling that's come out of Southeastern Sydney Local Health District. So they've recently uh, put out a request for proposal for an innovation partner to help them establish a virtual care centre to provide virtual care to you know, the million people who, who live in, within their the bounds of their district. And one of the incredible statistics from that process was you know, if we don't change by 2027, we will have 112,500 additional emergency department presentations. It's a 50% increase and we'll have 21,685 more acute admissions. It's a 20%. We'll have a need for 480 additional acute beds. Now, that's one local health district in New South Wales. There's 15 local health districts in New South Wales. And then there's HHSs in Queensland, there's LHNs in Victoria. This is not a problem that's unique to one LHD in New South Wales. This is a problem that the entire country is facing. And it was really refreshing on this supplier briefing when Southeastern said the only way that we can solve this problem is through the adoption of virtual care at scale. So so virtual, so adopting virtual care at scale is the only solution to addressing this challenge. And the the solution is not to build bigger and bigger hospitals. You know, we don't have the money. We're, we've got a shrinking tax base. You know, the solution is not to have more and more hospital beds was, so we don't have the nurses to staff these beds. You know, so the, it's not an exaggeration. And I'm quoting here from Southeastern, this will be one of the biggest transitional changes that we will experience in healthcare in our lifetimes. And I think that message needs to get out there because at the moment, I think that's it's not recognised how serious this actually is.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because like, you know, you see this theme in... Hospital and healthcare strategies, whether it's from health districts or whether it's from agencies, you know, everyone's talking about the need to remodel the way we do healthcare and address the problem of aging population and, and it's, you know, a workforce, et cetera. So I, I don't think that it's news to any of the decision makers or anyone at a policy or hospital level. So we're talking about it a lot, but I get the sense that there's a fair bit of lollygagging going on. I mean, are we doing enough already about it?
1: I just love that question, Pete. I'm just going to say, that's a nail on the head. You know, I think Mm -hmm. there are so many people in this space who are very vocal about the problem and talking about it, and we've defined it ad nauseum. You know, we know what the problem is, but defining the problem is only step one. We need to take concerted action to fixing the problem. And to answer your question, is there enough being done? I I would argue that there is not. And I think a, a big way to try and help supercharge the transition is through effective use of funding models we often say that function follows funding and it's just it's a reality so you know i asked stephen duckett the health economist from the grand institute on a an ipa webcast a few weeks ago said how can we utilize the activity-based funding model to better drive adoption of virtual care solutions at scale how do we move those patients who are currently in the hospital who don't really need to be there how do we move them to the home how do we incentivize hospitals to do that and you know his response was that the activity-based funding payment mechanism is is what they call place independent so if a hospital provides care to a patient with diabetes or high blood pressure or, or, or you know CHF, whatever the condition is, if it's provided in the hospital bed or it's provided in a community-based setting or it's provided in the patient's home, the hospital will get paid for that. And so the response was the mechanism sort of already exists to um, support this transition, and I think that's great. You know that we have the funding to support the transition once we're there. My question is, how do we support to get? How do we support the transition, you know, before we're actually there? So how do we say to hospitals, we want you to spend $10 million or more building a virtual hospital, a virtual care center. And once you've done that, you've invested in the teams and the staffing and the software and the hardware, and you've done all of that, then you can provide virtual care in the community at scale and you can get paid for it. The issue is, the alternative is to just keep doing what they're doing now and, get paid exactly the same. And there there is still space, you know, in, in hospital beds. Like it, it's running out, but we're not there yet. And so I think this needs leadership from the, the most senior levels, essentially, to sort of say, how do we make this transition in a considered way? How do we ensure that every hospital isn't doing something different and we have a total patchwork quilt approach where nothing talks to anything else? And And really that is what we're seeing. It's starting to happen. You've got these innovative hospital groups in all states and territories that are investigating how are they going to do the transition, not because it makes financial sense for them to do that, but because if they don't, they recognise that in five years they won't be able to provide care. They've said to us, we will not be able to, to provide care to the volumes of patients that will be coming through our doors in five years' time. And if we don't act now, if we don't set these things up now, we're going to be in real trouble. But those are the innovators and there are other hospitals that don't have maybe the funds or the risk appetite to go out and build these big centers these big virtual care centers and they don't have have the funds to do it so you know that's an open-ended question how do we address this how do we assist government to do this transition in a staged considered and organized approach and to answer that question which i've just asked myself you know i'm working with rebecca haddock and Rebecca Haddock leads the Deeble Institute for Health Policy Research. So they are an amazing group. They sit underneath the AHHA, the Australian Healthcare Hospital Association, and they put out these health policy evidence briefs, issues briefs, and perspective briefs. And the readership is largely health policy makers. So each time they put out a brief, they get thousands of, of downloads. And those thousands of people that are downloading these briefs are by and large health policymakers and politicians, people who really have the power to to drive change at scale as we need. And they did an amazing piece of work around the aged care issue and their recommendations became, uh, I might be overstating it, but like a reference document for government, as they were going through and redefining all of this additional funding and where it should go for aged care. So, you know, I think if you really want to drive change, you have to be very clear and considered as to what are the what are the issues. Let's be very specific around what the problem really. Let's define it with numbers, like we're trying to do, and then let's talk about solutions. Not a we need to fix this, but how do we fix it? Really targeted, intelligent solutions based on evidence, and that's what that Rebecca does at you know the Dibble. Institute uh, of for health policy research. And you know, if you don't subscribe to, to their podcast, I would encourage you to to do it because they are really awesome in, in that space. So we're working on with them right now on a brief, an issues brief, for this exact issue. And you know, we're going to take that to to every state and territory health department. We're going to take it to the federal government. We're going to present it, try and present it in parliament. And we're going to say, look, this, just so everyone needs to be on the same page. And, you know, we need to know that this isn't a fringe issue, that this is a major issue that's going to impact our country on, on a massive scale in a very short period of time. And so it's just important, I think, to elevate it up so that we do have that conversation. We can have a considered national conversation between healthcare leaders and between both sides of of government to say, how are we going to address this and how are we going to avoid the catastrophic cliff that we're running towards so we don't fall off? How do we build the bridge to the other side?
0: No, that's awesome. And I will definitely make sure those resources you mentioned uh, there are in the show notes of this episode so people can check it out afterwards as well. And you brought up a really good point there as well, to as a tangent, you know, the issue isn't in isolation, obviously, not just because of an ageing population that requires additional healthcare and an aging population that's staffing a lot of it, but also just generally aged care and more home care being delivered, everything revolving around this concept of care needing to be delivered in a virtual way. So it's something that's very much a a now issue. Um, Look, starting to wrap things up, Ben, look, tell us a bit more about what else we can expect from virtual care and what you guys will be working on over the next 6, 12, 24 months?
1: All that uh, we will be working on over the next 6, 12, 24 months will be expanding virtual care at scale within Australia, moving to New Zealand, moving to Asia Pacific. So Asia-Pac is not going to be in the next 24 months, but the, you know this is our only focus. It is our only goal. And I think a lot of the companies in this space are very large and they do a lot of different things. And so sometimes priorities shift and things get lost. For us, virtual care is all that we do. And we see it as a real, you know, like a key win thing for our hospitals is that they get that full commitment from us to drive this forward with them because we have that shared vision. You know, we're both on the same page about driving the adoption of virtual care at scale. I was on the phone with the, the head of digital from CSIRO the other day. And she said, she explained them to me. And if you haven't met a Jill frame, she she's one of the most amazing women in, in digital health in Australia. And she basically said their vision is vendor agnostic. We're going to partner with anyone to drive the adoption of virtual care at scale in this country. And I said, wait, well, hey, you stole my vision. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, the reality is there's a lot of people in this country with that shared vision. And mm. Talking Health Tech is the place where those people come together. And this is the place where we can learn from each other and advance this incredible vision that we, we have to execute on because there is not a possibility that we will fail. And that's because we are passionate and we're driven and because the stakes are so high.
0: Love it. Such a great way to, to close it out. And I'm, I'm so glad we've crossed paths and we've been able to talk about this on the show because I totally agree with you. It's not a problem for any one company or individual or even kind of institution to solve. It's everyone together on with the shared vision, as you say, to really move the needle. So look, Ben, I, I really appreciate your time. I'm going to put the details of some of those events and resources and, and other things that people can check out in the show notes of this episode. And of course, virtual care online and on the Talking Health Tech website. But uh, all the best for the future, Ben. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pete. Really enjoyed
1: the taking time. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out talkinghealthtech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.